Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show. I've never had it so good sports radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome back to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. We are ready for our second hour tonight. Again, thank you to Coach Tommy Bowden, Coach Rob Ambrose, Coach Wise, and also Coach Donald Hill Ely. We appreciate your time and all of the input and the questions we had tonight. Let me welcome in my my co-host, Duck uh, Duck Riley. Welcome him to the show. How are you, sir? Hey, how you doing, uh, Precious? It was a good show. <laughs> It was a good show last one. <laughs> it was very good, very good. And as always, Dr. Donald Hill Ely never disappoints, never disappoints. <laughs> I love the folder that's uh, labeled you, and when you get your, your coaching job, <laughs> then <laughs> you can run those plays. All right, so tonight we um, are going to talk about dual roles within the athletic department, or just dual roles, period. And I'm, what I'm going to do is just call out the last four of your phone number and then welcome you to the show and you can say hello then. So that's what we're going to do here. Let's see, 6810, 6810, give us your name. Uh, John H. Lilly, head football coach and athletic director at Independence High Thank you, sir, for being on. We appreciate it. Love it. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hold on right there. We're calling out the last four of your phone number, and you can give us your name and where you, your um, position is at. 8120, give us your name. Hi, Donna Armando, Rincocas Valley Regional High School, school counselor, strength and conditioning coach, and powerlifting coach. <laughs> Dual roles, triple roles for sure. <laughs> Thank you for, for being on. Hold on. Right there, one zero zero three, one zero zero three. Give us your name. Don Jones, Bluefield High School, Bluefield, West Virginia. Assistant principal, athletic director, and assistant football coach. Welcome to the show, Mr. Jones. We appreciate that. West Virginia will always be in the house, won't they, Doug? For sure. <laughs> All right, that that's it so far. Um, we can kind of wait, or you can go ahead and get started, and then as they come in, I'll definitely introduce them. Yeah, uh, Tanya uh, Tawson, she should be on. I'm... Yeah. She's not. You want to text her while we're holding on for everybody. Yeah, yeah you, could, you could possibly talk to Coach uh, Lily, Coach Jones, and Coach Armando about a uh, hug, if you want to talk a little bit about uh Huggy bear. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I'm sure that we're all there, and I'll start with you, Coach Jones. Um, and I, and in the previous show, I wanted to talk about Coach Huggins and where he is now, and the fact that there was, you know, a charge in Pittsburgh, and now he is coming back to the university and saying he never resigned. He wants his position back. You know, as a coach, as an athletic director, we have ourselves a little bit of a mess. Your, your thoughts about that, Coach Jones? And if you're not talking, can you put your phone on mute? Because I hear a lot of background noise. If you could do that for me. 
Okay. Well, Coach Jones, can you answer that for me? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the times have changed. You know, those things <laughs> now that was once acceptable, or I, I don't want to say acceptable, that you could probably get by with, you know, they're just not going to happen. I mean, not, and we're seeing that not only with Coach Huggins' situation, but the situation at Northwestern, you know, those are things that, you know, back in the 80s and the 70s were happening, and coaches didn't have to worry about losing their jobs, but now things have changed. And, and the fact that you're in a leadership role, and it's kind of hard to lead when you're out doing things that you're trying to tell your players that they can't be doing. So, I mean, uh, I hate it for Coach Huggins, but uh, I think uh, the university had no other choice to do what they uh, are doing, and uh, I don't see any way for him to get back his position. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be tough for him to then evoke the trustees, the the the, the president themselves, and say, "Hey, I want my position back." My wife texts you and resign. I never did. So that that's tough conversation there to have. Donna, your thoughts about this, and I think Coach Jones alluded to Northwestern where um, Coach Fitzgerald has been let go because of hazing issues that have come up um, and I guess have proven to be true. But your thoughts about Coach Huggins and what he's going through? Follow it the way you guys follow things. I work at a high school, and Mm -hmm. uh, my world's a little bit different. Um, Obviously, if these allegations are true or what has happened, um, it, it is a lot different from the 70s to where things are today, and all of us have to be very careful of what we say and do. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Coach um, Lily, before I get you in here, let me welcome in my co-host, Tim Moore. Tim Moore, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be with you, Princess. Thank you. Uh, Thank I you just, very I much. Find that, I find this discussion quite quite interesting. There's a lot, of, a lot going on. Uh, with the um, uh, the situation in Northwestern with Coach uh, yes. Coach Huggins, and then uh, I just saw uh, right before we came on the air that Larry Nasser, the doctor from Michigan State, got stabbed while in prison several times. Yes, sir. Just a lot several going times. on there. Several times, twice in the neck. I'm here, and so I, I think that was definitely um, well sad in in so many ways. And we discussed Larry Nasser before, but yes attacked in, in prison. All right, let me welcome in um, Tanya Tolson to the show. Uh, Ms. Tolson, how are I'm, you? I'm doing amazing. Just um, a funny situation. My, my, I'm in the ER, so I'm going to be in and out. You guys, I have me oh. on mute. My son has an ear infection. It just got worse. So I am listening okay. in, and I definitely will chime in. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for for um, for calling in. I understand for sure. Um, I'll come back to you, John Lilly, and that is your um, you can go ahead, Ms. Tolson, and, and, and mute your side. But, Mr. Libby, I want to ask you your thoughts about um, Huggins and what's going to happen now or just, you know, the fact that we're here with this state of confusion. Well, you know, I, I'm in total agreement with Coach Jones. The, you know, we're at a time and day now where, you know, there's there's just certain things that can't be tolerated either legally or uh, or even morally. I mean, just like Coach Jones said, you know, you can't sit here and tell uh, tell your young men that you can't do this and, you know, how to act and how to behave. And then, uh, you know, you make a mistake one time. It's very easy for people to say, hey, person, people make mistakes. But when you're into making two and three and four mistakes uh, within a yeah. short period of time, 
you know, it's time for the university to move on. I'm a huge Huggins fan, by the way, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things living in southern West Virginia that we know, and, uh, you know, that uh, they're just – there's just time. I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, probably everyone here is an athletic director. You know, we've had to let two coaches go in the last two years at our small school, okay? And it's very difficult for us to say, hey, man, you know, we've got to relieve these coaches of their duties. And then the most powerful coach in our state gets away with three or four incidents. So, you know, there comes a time where, you know, uh, times change and you adapt or die. And in this situation, it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, and in this situation, I think I think he forced their hand to separate themselves, and and that's where we are. And it's a time, and you know, maybe at, at one point, I like what what Coach Jones said too that um, those things maybe would have been a little bit more tolerated. But in in that position, you know, much is given, much is definitely required um, for sure. Duck and Tim, go ahead and take over. Okay, and again, Princess, I want to say it's the conspiracy theory on Coach Huggins, but anyway. Because the right. charge was in Pittsburgh, and there's something about Pitt and West Virginia, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. There you go. There yeah. you, there you okay. go. All right. All right. <laughs> I want to start off with uh, Coach Lilly since uh, we just finished up, uh, you know, uh, Prince's question. Uh, let's talk about your dual role. Uh, even you know, I like to call it dual role, but it seems like everybody down here does more than one thing. So can you kind of uh, – Tell us about each role that you have. Well, I'm the athletic director at, at the school, and uh, basically we say athletic director, but it's kind of evolved into, uh, you know, uh, event director. So anything uh, outside of, you know, outside of the spectrum of academics that takes place, I'm pretty much responsible for. And, uh, you know, that could be even this summer having three you know, uh, three different class reunions. Our school is the hub of our community. So there's something going daily at our school, and I'm responsible for anything and everything that goes on uh, other than the academic part at our institution. And then on top of that, I'm also the head football coach. Okay. Uh, okay. Don Armando. Coach Riley, good to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Don? Uh, kind of talk, take us through each uh, your roles. You know, your roles at Rancocas. Well, I was uh, first of all, I was very honored uh, to work with Dave several years ago, and um, Dave really uh, spearheaded uh, the role of academic um, with his players. We had tutorial sessions after practice. Um, he was always on top of that, and that. As a school counselor, I am a very, very appreciative of. So my primary role as a school counselor, dealing with NCAA regulations and compliance, as well as their academic standing. Uh, obviously, they are students first, and it is a privilege to play a sport, whether it's at the high school or collegiate level. In addition, I broke the glass ceiling and finally got in um, to supervise the weight room, as well as the strength coach, powerlifting coach, and I am also a personal trainer. Okay, uh, Don Jones. Well, as, as assistant principal, uh, most of my day is uh, is dealing with the the operations and the management of the school, uh, from discipline 
to uh, teacher walkthroughs and and also evaluations and observations. but at the same token, I have to find time being the athletic director to oversee all our sports, all our coaches, uh, make sure that our facilities are, uh, because we're the only high school that really don't have but only one facility on our campus, so everything else that we use for our other sports, we're, we're renting uh, facilities through the city or through uh independent uh, identities. So that's a part of my day, too, that I have to squeeze in somewhere along the day, along with scheduling. And then being the football coach, that means during the football season, you know, once my day is finished in the school building, now i got to put on a different hat and go out and coach football for two and a half hours. So my day is, is quite full. And that's not counting, you know, film watching later on and any other things that, uh, you know, I got to cover ball games. You know, uh, we do soccer uh, during our football season in the fall. So, you know, I got boys and girls soccer that I have to cover. So that limits a lot of my time at practice because I have to be administrator on duty at those events. Okay. Uh Ms. Tolson. Hello, everybody. I'm assistant principal first, um, and that is of high school. And I am also the football academic coordinator. Um, so all transcripts, all inquiries for our athletes when it comes to um, academics all come through me at Mountain Island Charter. And I also, um, the third role is I teach 12th grade English as well. So. I have a couple different things that I juggle at um, that school. So, but mainly assistant principal and English teacher, and then in football season, academic coordinator going out, making sure the students are academically eligible to stay on the field for summer practices, and making sure they are eligible when it's time for tryouts the first week in August. Okay, want want to stay with you right quick. Uh, your role. How, how difficult is your role? Your role. Let me put that S on it because you also have your own family and, and your own kids. So right. So kind of give us some of the pros and cons with that. Of uh, being uh, of all these roles, the pros yeah. is that I get um, family. Yeah. Now the the pros and all this is that I get. Um, a good look at overall academically from all sides, athletics as well as just regular students. So I get to touch a couple different things. But juggling the time, um, just as the previous coach stated, covering those ball games, um, making sure my son, you know, I come home and making sure my son said my son does attend school with me, but he's also six years old. Um, Juggling, you know, what's going on, even like right now, me being at the ER and still, you know, handling things on the other side. But, you know, the cons of it sometimes is that time away from your family. It is those things that you kind of can't control um, you try to control a lot with your multiple roles, but sometimes the things just sometimes balls fall as you juggle. Um, but the pros of it is the reward I get from it. I love helping kids, 
and I love seeing those kids go off to college and get no scholarships. So it's a win-win in certain situations, but sometimes it does take a lot of your time, and it leaves little time for personal time sometimes. Okay. Uh, I want to come to you, Donna, because, you know, you, you I've known you for look forever, uh, academic counselor for us, and now you're doing this, basically the same stuff, but you, you kind of moved into another direction as far as strength and conditions, powerlifting, and you're also uh, a trainer. So how are you managing all of this? Um, well, I'm a little bit older, so my responsibility is <laughs> a little bit less. I have a grown son now and two grandchildren, but I also want to be there for all their activities. And quite frankly, I look every day. I mean, I'm already looking at my calendar, and I still am old school, writing everything in an agenda, putting stickies everywhere. I do not use my phone. The kids laugh at me, but it works for me. Um, and obviously, I'm an employee at my high school, and those jobs are, you know, I'm expected to obviously um, be there for all the kids. It's not just football players. They're primarily they're in the weight room with me the most, but um, I have other students from other teams as well as just kids that just want to weight lift and compete in weightlifting. So I think being a good time manager is huge. Um, I know myself, I get cranky if I do not get a workout in every day, so I make sure I make time for that. It could be early morning, late afternoon, late evening. That makes me a better teacher, a better educator, a better coach. So I think we have to make that time. I know that the buzzword is self-care. I just call working out. Okay. Donna, how do you do the schedule? How is your schedule set up as far as the weight, uh, the weight lifting? Because I know when I was there, you know, of course, football would just come in and dominate the weight room. So how do you say, hey, you know, are you saying that this time you, you guys can come in? Or how, how is that working out? How are you balancing yeah. everything? So all the coaches um, get an email from the athletic director, and then they go through me with times. And, you know, n- not in season, obviously, it's primary, but not just because, you know, well, football takes precedent over field hockey. So we look at, we have a schedule that's done after school, um, usually after their practices, coaches like to come in. And it's not every day when you're in season. It's more the out-of-season that we have to um, work with. But our really our primary goal with the weight room after the school day ends is for the kids we call non-affiliated with the sport. We make sure they get their hour in the weight room without having to fight for equipment and get on, and uh, you know, uh, using barbells and the racks and everything. And then the teams come in, usually around 4 o'clock. Some choose to come in at, you know, 6, 5 a.m. in the morning. That's what football's been doing, and that's worked out well. I think it's really that difficult. I think all coaches have a good respect for each other and are flexible, and we'll work that out um, if there is some sort of, you know, um, conflict in the schedule. But we really it's worked out well having a schedule not just the team walking in. We don't take that. We don't do that anymore. Okay. All right, uh, Coach Lilly, athletic director, also coaching football. How are you keeping everybody happy? Because, you know, a lot of times you have to be at the other sport sporting events. 
So how how do you manage your time with that? Well, uh, fortunately, I've, I've been a you know been a uh, athletic director at uh, you know at other schools. So over a long period of time, you know uh, that you the longer you do this, the more abreast and the more organized you get with what you would assume is your system. And uh, you know the the biggest thing is try to make sure that your organization is as good as you can possibly be and uh, with your time. And uh, I'm very fortunate that, uh, you know, I've got an administration here, independence, that we all share the same culture ideas as of what we want to accomplish with our school as well as our athletic department. Uh, Because, uh, as you know, I inherited a mess here with football. You know, they had five coaches in, in, in seven years. And then athletic director, we've had uh, we had three in four years. So you know, we had a mess. And uh, the, I guess the positive side of that mess is, is we could regenerate, uh, you know, a, a new way of doing things at Independence. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I got a, a principal and assistant principal that was split duties for us. So, you know, we, uh, we're kind of like Coach Jones. You know, like our soccer program has to play at a separate complex. But our head principal or assistant principal generally will administrate that over there, but as far as on campus, you know, I will administrate everything here. So basically everything athletically is uh, generated by me on a schedule as to who goes where, what buses go where, and uh, so there's really kind of like, you know, one guy responsible for all the athletic, uh, you know, events. So if there's a mistake, there's one guy making a mistake, not three guys making a mistake, and uh, it takes a little bit of time, but, uh, you know, we've gotten to the point where we've established a good culture here. And just like Coach said before, we've got really, really good people here that, you know, our coaches can run their programs. You know, you don't have to micromanage. Okay. Uh, now, coming back to you, Coach Jones, seems like you, you're doing a whole bunch. Uh, when I mean, when I say that is, I, I know by being the dean of discipline and you're assistant principal and you got to discipline kids, how do you do all of this and coach and become, you know, as an athletic director and you're covering events? Because sometimes discipline and students are waiting for parents to get there to kind of run over into, it's a carryover into maybe the sporting event or even when you have to go watch a sporting event. Can you kind of share with us about that? Well, one thing I'm fortunate to have is four administrators in our in our building. That's the principal and three assistants. And each one of us at one period of time is not uh, currently have been coaches. So what we try to do is – uh, like, say, the fall season coming up, we have two soccer teams, we have golf, we have uh, football and volleyball going on, going on at this time. Now, we all work football games. But what we'll do with our other sports is we'll, we'll, we will divide those up amongst each other so the same person is not doing everything all the time. Now, when it comes to discipline, on the on – the, on that front, sometimes you do get caught up where I'll miss practice because I'm disciplining a kid. 
I mean, and I'm waiting for a parent to come pick that kid up. That parent may not get off to 5 o'clock, so I'm sitting with that kid in the office until his, until his parents come and get him. Um, and that doesn't happen too often because we're, you know, we're in a small little town, so basically most parents can get to their kids or have uh, another family member come pick them up. Uh, but when you're dealing with programs or athletes, it tends to it tends to make it tough. Not only tough because you want to change things, it's tough because they feel like they deserve a little bit uh, lenient punishment, and which it doesn't happen that way for me. You know, I, I tend to be, if anything, I'm a little harder on those kids because we stress the importance of doing the right thing. But you know, when you when you're in a small town, everybody knows you. Parents are constantly calling you about situations, but you know, and I tell I tell the parents like I tell them all, all we ask the kids to do, do the right thing. So if they're doing the right thing, then we don't have a problem when it comes to discipline. Okay, uh, Tim. Yeah, I want to stay with Don for a second because we have uh, some commonalities in our background. When when I went to, to, to school, I played for a, a coach that was very much a disciplinarian. He was a former Marine, uh, and Don coached under him for a number of years. Um, it, it, one of the things I noticed was the coach back then had a great deal of control over much of the kid, the athletes' lives. Um, you know, they could demand things of us that nowadays uh, parents and, and kids want to go to court over. Uh, and uh, so I noticed when I came back to visit that he, even he was allowing things to happen that uh, would not have happened when I was in school. I say that to say this. We always had kids in school who were uh, smoking weed and drinking and doing all kinds of different things. But we didn't have social media to deal with. Uh, these kids now not only are dealing with uh, a situation where you can't discipline the way you used to, they've got access to information that we didn't have at that age. And also the athletes who were isolated largely from a lot of those things, um, really you can't control their lives that way now. And I'm wondering when you have to shift gears from dealing with uh, uh, an epidemic of vaping and things like that that are going on among the student population, and then you go to shift gears to dealing with the athletes, how do you shield them from those things, and how do you shift gears in your discipline with those kids? Don Jones. Is that for me, Tim? Yes, sir. Well, to be honest, I tell you, the vaping is one of the biggest things that we're dealing with now. I mean, it's it's not it's all the students, athletes, and everything. I mean, we we've even called athletes, you know, even on game day in the back, you know, trying to vape and vaping. I mean, it's 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 a major problem, and uh, it's one of those things that we have to follow school policy on vaping. And you know, our school policy is. It's not a suspension, but you get written a citation, and you have to show up for court where you either pay the citation or you got to do community hours. Now, if it becomes right. something that is ongoing and multiple times we catch you, then we can't, you know, suspend you for that. 
But, I mean, it's like now when you're dealing with especially your athletes now, there's so many things going on that you've got to keep eyes on them. And one of the problems that we have is we don't have a lot of coaches that are in the building. Most of our coaches are coming from the outside. So when that bell rings and those kids are coming down to the dressing room facility, a lot of times there's only one coach down there watching 50 and 60 kids because we're waiting for other coaches to show up. So that presents a problem, especially now you got to worry about hazing, you got to worry about vaping, you got to worry about kids trying to get hot before practice. I mean, it's just so many things going on. So we have to organize. We've got a station where you – this is where you report until we get in a, our coaches there so we can have eyes on you. So it, it's mm-hmm. tough. It's a lot different than it used to be. You know, when you're disciplined athletes today, these kids are not like it was years ago because years ago all you had was athletics. Right. And now they got so many things going on. You know, we got good kids that are real good athletes. Rather than go through the punishment, they quit. You know, they'll walk out <laughs> the door. So you have to find other ways sometimes to deal with kids, but you don't get away from, you know, what – the basics of this is, you know, how a program's going to be, and whether you're good or not, there's certain things we're not going to tolerate. Tanya Tolson, uh, you're at the MI Island uh, Charter School. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to deal with the, these kind of problems. Uh, at school, too. <laughs> yeah, that's real funny. Yes, we do. Um, not, <laughs> not, not on a grand scale, but we did have um, some of the same issues, but the only hold back with us is um, we can't double discipline, and that's been a problem for us for probably a couple of years now. So what that means is if I go into a classroom and I see a kid and they get in trouble inside the school, I cannot remove him from the field. He cannot have a double punishment. So that's been a problem for me. It holds my, you know, it kind of ties my hands, especially when it comes to the vaping and the discipline issues in the classroom, and that's the problem we were having. She can do it by Yes. So what we've been doing to try to combat that is just to almost make some of the athletes sign contracts. And in any of those things where they break the contract, the discipline goes up from there. So say you have to sit out for a quarter or you have to sit out for half a game. And as it gets um, higher and higher, it goes to a full game. And then it goes to a, you know, week suspension up until – removal from the team. So, yes, overall, 97% of the time, we don't have these issues. But that 3%, it's a big problem. And what we try to do is handle it both sides, but we tend to make it so much so that they lose the athletics because with our kids, that matters. We're a small school. We're 1A, and but we're starting to make a lot of noise because we have since kids to Stanford and Columbia and all those places but we also, the kids that we sent were very disciplined. And as we're going up in the years, as the coach said previously, we're dealing with a whole nother set of kids with a whole nother set of problems, like the getting high, the vaping, and, you know, just the overall discipline or of I'm an athlete, you can't touch me type situation. But right. we let them know that you are very much expendable and we don't need you. So once the kids get in their mind that, you know, there's somebody ready, ready we call it, always say, as y'all know in the world, next man up. So we keep that next man up mentality in their head. So 
so they know that, hey, there's somebody hungry on that bench ready to take your spot. And that kind of helps us to wrangle in some of those behaviors and to know that, and especially when they see me come on the field, because they know usually I'm on the academic side, but when I show up to practice on the hot turf, they know it's trouble. So that kind of helps um, to know that I'm the iron fist. They don't get it just from the coaches. They get it from somebody who doesn't care if you can throw your football from one goal post to the other. I care about getting into school and what you're doing academically. I don't care because you can break your leg and lose a scholarship. So that's the perspective I put it in. So I kind of, you know, no, overall don't have big problems. But, yes, we've in recent years we've had the same issues that Coach is speaking about. Okay, Coach, Coach John Lilly, you're, 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 uh, you're juggling athletic director and head football coach, but, but you're, you're, and you're in a public school, uh, which is a little different than the, um, than the charter school uh, student. Uh, you know, I, I think than uh, uh, what uh, Ms. Tolson's talking about, but uh, you're in a small town. I mean, the, the interstate, you know, is sort of not even, you know, the exit's not right there near your town. Uh, you don't have these problems, do you? Yeah, well, uh, you know, one thing I can share is that Coach, Coach Jones and, and myself are very similar. We may have different clientele, perhaps, as far as students are concerned, but we share the same problem. We're both in very flourishing areas at one time. And uh, over the last 20 years, uh, it's been an economic uh, atomic bomb in, in this area, in the Appalachian region, as far as jobs are concerned. So, you know, uh, we're battling, uh, we battle drugs, we battle uh, vaping is huge, just like Coach Jones says. I, I mean, it's probably not a day we don't deal with at least 10 uh, a day, and, and some of them are athletes as well. Uh, the other problem with this is, is the, the lack of a family unit. So uh, I, we, got, we all got a little bit of a common denominator in knowing Coach Carlock, and uh, I was in the Marine Corps as well. So over the last 10 years, I've, had to, I've really worked very hard to change my approach uh, in some incidents, and I know Coach Jones personally, and I know, uh, you know, I know Duck, and we're all kind of in this same boat, we've had to change our role to almost like a father-son role. So, you know, your first instinct of cutting someone or severely disciplining someone uh, is probably not your first instinct anymore. Your first instinct is that, you know, we got a young man that, uh, that's raising himself, so we have to teach him. We have to teach him or her, you know, these are the things that you don't do in society. And um, it's, it's really quadrupled our roles as coaches and as athletic directors and principals that now we have to assume this new role of, uh, you know, in these kids' lives and more of a, a father uh, figure or a mother figure for these young men and young women. And uh, one thing that we have done that's been very pro, have been very good for us, instead of coaching reactive, is coach proactive. And uh, you know, we set up leadership academies, and uh, we we have our athletes come in. We talk about leadership, and uh, you know, uh, you know, I think we all know the best teams are student-led teams. So if we got teams that are being led by positive people and competitive people. Uh, we, have, we tend to have less problems. But if you've, got a, if you've got a program that's being led by the coach and the coach only, then you've got problems because uh, those kids aren't going to – they're not going to react. They need their peers. So um, some of the things that we're doing seems to be working for us 
uh, a little bit, and we're going to. But now we want to take it in our athletic department as a uh, unified approach. So we just don't want each coach doing something. We want us all doing something. So uh, the good thing about being an administrator is you can hire people, you know, when those jobs come open and that share your same philosophy and your same culture that you want to establish at that school. And that's what we've been really successful at the last five years. So uh, we may have a leadership academy being led by our basketball coach because we generally at the small schools share the same athlete. So, you know, we're trying to take a unified approach by being proactive. And this is what we want to achieve, and this is, um, you know, how we want to do it, and this is how successful people do it. Not just, you know, academics as well, because at uh, in, in our school, we're a low academic functioning school. I can tell you this. I mean, it's, we're, uh, we were ranked at one time 121 out of 125. Uh, oh in our academics and te- test scores, because when the coal mine shut down, it blew this place up. And uh, just like you guys are aware in Bluefield, you know, when the railroad moved out over a 20-year period of time, that place died. So, you know, we're all sharing the same problems. But, uh, you know, the one thing that we're trying our absolute best, and we're having some success, we've had some failure, but if we can try to be proactive instead of reactive, uh, that's kind of where we're wanting to go uh, with our athletic department. Okay. Uh, Donna Aramondo, um, you know, I've been talking with Coach Lilly and, 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 uh, and uh, Mr. Jones, who has, uh, you know, they're, they're in public schools in the south. And, um, you know, we've got uh, um, Ms. Tolson, who's dealing with the charter school, different kind of situation. Uh, but you're at the uh, Rancoris Valley regular high school, uh, you know, uh, and you're not in the same geographic kind of environment they're in. Uh, you, you don't have this problem, do you? Uh, <laughs> it would be naive to say that we don't. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I will say we have such great, from the top of our superintendent board, all the way down to positions created and um, not only with the athlete, but since we're talking about the athlete, that if there's a conduct issue, a bully issue, a vape issue, we have teams of people that will work with that student, their family, and resources, particularly in the mental health area. Um, so it's a, it's a team of people working together. We want that kid, as you guys do, to succeed, not just because they're an athlete, because they're a human being, and we want to make them better. So, yes, there's consequences to behavior, absolutely. But the, I think that how we look at a lot of things, the consequences are if a kid is vaping or smoking weed, that, yes, they have to follow protocols as far as the school policy goes, but they're getting help, and they're monitored, and they're checked. We have what's called SACs. We have four of them throughout two different buildings. So they're substance abuse counselors. We have the school counselor on top of that. And each kid is assigned a dean of discipline. So, again, not to, get, not to say gotcha, but to say we're going to help you. And, yeah. it's just, you know, again, we're very fortunate. I will say that. Um, that doesn't, again, mean there aren't issues that arise. Of course, there's always going to be issues. We're broken people. Human beings are broken people. But we can make – I mean, I've seen it. I have seen it. It's a beautiful thing when kids are coming from um, various backgrounds. We have a very diverse population. We pull from five sending areas, 
and we have the same issues that, you know, maybe not as significant, um, but there's poverty here. Um, there is drugs. We have broken families. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it happens. So, but again, I feel like the school is such a great resource and our community resources that are available to help students succeed and families to, step, you know, help them out. Okay. Coach Riley? I want to stay right with you, uh, Donna, because I want to talk about your, uh, the counseling part of your job. How much uh, has it changed? You know, I don't even know if it's called a clearinghouse and stuff anymore. How much has that changed now with you helping student athletes uh, go to school? Well, it's gotten a lot easier, <laughs> um, mainly because it started with COVID, and and the, the the you know the rules changed with the NCA and giving kids extra years and time, and SATs aren't required. So um, now things are done on a database that I remember old school paper pencil. I was writing kids transcripts: A equals four points, B equals you know. Oh, you got an honor because <laughs> you get extra. Now we can just plug those numbers in. So, and that's helped tremendously. Um, but, again, the human connectivity between a coach, between a, a guidance counselor, which is great. I feel we're very blessed that we get to meet with kids one-on-one, and it's a whole different side of a kid. But that time, hopefully, um, what we're, you know, talking about listening to carries on in their lives, whether they're an athlete, whether they're in the choir, whatever it is that, the behaviors that, you know, we would like to see that would be, make them better people show up in those places. And I do think we make a difference. I think educators do make a difference. It's hard. It's hard, but uh, I feel very blessed. I've been there 41 years. I absolutely love high school students. I love seeing them, whether they go on to college and play or intramurals. And I particularly love my kids that go into the trades and into the service. I just admire them. Okay, I want to. The last part of this question with you, Don, is uh, with the subject matters, are you still having to give a rationale and a justification of the courses? Can can you rephrase that? I'm not sure I understand the question. Yeah. When we... When we would turn things into, uh, say, uh, uh, History 103 or something like that, for example, into the clearinghouse, we would have to give uh, a rationale and a justification of the course for them in case they didn't have it. We're talking about the uh, the clearinghouse. Yeah, I understand your question now. Yes, that still exists. Um, we have new courses that pop up all the time. Each year there's something new, so it has to go through – uh, the clearinghouse to get approved to be a course that they would accept. Um, if name changes occur within a course, so it might be the same um, subject matter that's being taught, it still has to be submitted for approval by the by the clearinghouse. Okay, uh, welcome to uh, you, uh, Tanya. Uh, now that some of the schools, I don't know if all of the schools are not requiring the ACT or SAT. How are you handling that? Uh, that portion because the reason why I'm asking you that because I know you helped my grandson when it when it was time to take the test so how how are you doing with you know most of the courses that you taught those kids okay she might be okay 
I, I, I'm come, yeah, yeah. Or oh, she might be. She's at the yard. Uh, Donna, uh, let me come back to you right quick, Donna. Maybe you can answer this. Are they still considering the 48H where the colleges can come back in and see exactly what courses are being offered? Yeah, that, I mean, absolutely. It, 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 never, it never goes away. So if we, you know, like I said, had a course, changed the name, they can see, you know, compare the two, like, yes, it's exactly the same thing. So whatever you submit never goes away. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Jones, you know, we talked yes. about a number of different number of different issues as far as, you know, the, the discipline. And, and we talked about, you know, how you guys divide up as among uh, assistant principals and stuff to take care of different events. Now, what's the most rewarding thing out of your job? I think the most rewarding thing is, you know, I, uh, for me, it normally happens after the kids leave and those kids come back and you'll see them later on and they'll, and they'll come up and t- tell you, thank you for what you did or I wish I had listened to you when, when I was in school. And, I, you know, and I explained that these kids, we're not going to get them all. I mean, it, it takes some a little bit longer to uh, get on the same page and understand what what you're trying to do. But for me, what keeps me going is I know I can make, you know, I try to be honest with kids, you know, I and that's just I'm, I'm old school in that fact. I, I don't tell kids that they all can be a D- Division One player. Uh, and, you know, and I and I tell some, some students, you know, you can't be a doctor, but there's something out there for you if you work that you can – you can do, and I think being honest with them and letting them know uh, what they're capable of if they work, and when they're wrong, you put them, you know, you 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 put them back in the place they should be. That's what's rewarding. And then you know when you when you do have those kids that go on and do good things, you know, and and then they recognize you when they when they're talking to others, you know, that's that's what keeps me going. And what was the question? I'm sorry, I missed you guys. Uh, uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I was just talking to you about uh, how many colleges are still asking you for SAT or ACT. And the reason why I'm asking you that is because I know you helped Sean uh, over the course uh, as far as with the, you know, with the testing. So yes. what, are they, what are they requiring you to do now since a lot of schools are not requiring it? Uh, but if you're a school that's on a higher level, they are. So Chapel Hill still wants it for you to stay in competition, even though North Carolina says that it's not required, you know, for the next year or so. But Chapel Hill still asking for it. North Carolina State still asking for it. And the Ivies that um, recruit our boys are asking for it as well. What the ACT and the um, SAT is doing is giving you that competitive edge over another student that might have the same GPA, that might have the same film that looks good. But if you have that extra boost, which is that test score, which I still encourage all my players to take the SAT and the ACT, it helps them to get that competitive edge. So I don't discourage it, even though they're not um, 
really asking for it across the board, but it's still a vital part of the college admission. And what they have to realize is that it's not, it, it might have went away for COVID, but it's not going away forever. And that's the big thing that people need to understand and play. Oh. So these kids need to be prepared for that, um, for those tests that are upcoming. Okay. Uh, Coach Lilly, it's like I asked Coach Jones, what's the most rewarding part of your job? Well, I think the most rewarding part of our job, especially at the new school that I'm at the last five years, is is very similar to what Coach Jones said. You know, uh, you know, we go the extra mile uh, to try to get our kids promoted uh, to the next level. We do. We go the extra mile to take them to camps, and not necessarily for football, just to give them the exposure. Hey, this is, you know, a lot of our kids have never been out of Cold City, West Virginia. You know, they they don't have the money to go. You know, so hopping on a bus and going to Wake Forest is such a great experience for them. And, uh, you know, when they come back and say, hey, Coach, man, I appreciate it. That's the first time I've ever been out, been to a big university like that. I see them on TV, you know, and and just have the kids come back and, and uh, share that with you. And you have it in the thought process that maybe you've had something positive or you've affected a kid's life, male or female, uh, in, in some kind of a positive way. You know, I, I'm gearing toward the end of my career and, you know, it, it, it seems to be a little more uh, a little more rewarding for me to see a lot of our kids be successful, but just not playing college sports. I mean, we're at the school where, you know, I had 17 football players graduate. They were very successful athletically, but about 11 of them went into the trades, and they're making good money right now. So, you know, we don't re- we can't reward it just on going to college and playing college sports, but just them being successful and being successful men and women, and when they when you go to the grocery store, you're eating dinner, and some one of them comes up and sits beside you and says, "Thank you, coach. I don't know, you know, you helped me out tremendously, you know." And uh, and I'm brutally honest too with our guys, you know. I'm real, you know, real honest with them, and uh, and I think they appreciate that. I, I really do. I think kids see through phony coaches really quick, and uh, but the one thing, you know, there's so much. These kids are getting so overwhelmed with so much false information uh, through social media, to be honest with you, that, you know, their expectation levels are far beyond their means sometimes. And to have someone that, you know, has been there, done that, been in those shoes, and and be honest with them. But the answer to your question is that when the kid comes back and says something to you that you helped them in their life or, they couldn't have done this without you or thanks for taking me to a camp or, you know, like we, we went, we took our whole team to Wake Forest. Naturally that freshman's not going to get much out of that, but you know what? Five kids when we got off the bus was like, coach, thanks, man. I, I've never been to a school before, but you know, that, that made me feel good. So that's kind of where we're at with it. Okay. This question is uh, for you and it's going to be for coach Jones. Now, as the athletic director, how do you handle the kids saying, well, football gets everything. We don't get anything from the other sports. Well, you know, honestly, uh, I've only had one student say that, and it was a female student uh, who who made the comment. But 
if you want to know the truth, uh, we uh, most of our athletes, I'm very fortunate because we're a small school, most of our athletes play other sports. So we don't really have but maybe a handful, maybe that's seven or eight kids that aren't participating. Like, and when, as soon as we go from football, you know, we're a big wrestling school. So, you know, we've got a lot of our young men right now at Appalachian State at a wrestling camp. And, uh, you know, then we got some going to basketball. And I think they see, they, they see that we're divvying this thing up pretty good, you know. And it's kind of like just, you know, instead of saying it, you know, they, they get to see us model it. That all our, like on my coaching staff, I, I've hired every coach on my coaching staff. Every coach on my coaching staff coaches another sport or a head coach of another sport. So we're really old school like that, like when you was in school, you know, all of the coaches coached other sports. When you have that atmosphere, everybody's trying to help each other. Like I had a basketball coach, he started out 0-4. He, he comes up and goes, hey, John, I need, I need three kids. We can't compete without those three kids. I call them in and say, hey, you're playing basketball. You know, and they end up nine and twelve. But you know, but you know, they just come in the office. I say, hey, look, coach needs some help in basketball. Well, I don't want to play basketball. I want to lift. No, you're playing basketball. It'll help you. It'll help you for football because you'll, it'll work on your feet. You know, and we'll put you in weightlifting class during the school, so you're not going to miss it. You know, so I think we. I think the answer to your question is we try to model that up by you know supporting each other and other programs. You know, we got a good baseball program. Uh, you know, and a lot of our guys play both, uh, and, and we work really good amongst each other. And I, I, I kind of modeled that after the old school way of doing things. You know, like, uh, you know, in the old days when you were hired, you wasn't hired as the football coach. You was hired as coach. And, you know, if you wasn't coaching something, you'd drive the bus, right? So uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of how we're doing it independence, and it's worked for us, uh, you know, so – uh, like I said, we try to model it, and, I, and so far that's eliminated that questioning, that question for happening. You know, uh, I work for two female principals, so, uh, you know, the girls are going to get what they're supposed to get, and I'm fine with that because my wife was an athlete, and, and uh, when she was an athlete in the late 70s, early 80s, girls got nothing, you know, and I saw that, and nobody wants that. So, you know, we try really, really hard to make sure that, our girls' sports are on an equal basis with our boys' sports as much as we humanly possibly can, and we just try to model that amongst our coaches. Okay. Uh, same question, Coach Jones. Well, I guess, you know, that's something that's been said, especially uh, I know in Bluefield, even when I was in school, and that's going back a long time. And and really today it's – I still hear it, but I don't hear it from the coaches because the coaches know. Uh, but sometimes you'll hear it from other uh, athletes because they tend to think that the football gets more than what they uh, what they do. But since I've been on on board as the athletic director, I make sure that all our programs get everything that they need. I mean, I don't I don't cut corners on uniforms. I tell our coaches, I said. I will buy you the best uniform out there if you take care of it. Now, if you're not going to take care of it, you're going to give it to kids to take home, then I'm not going to give you – I'm not going to pay a lot of money for a uniform like that because in our county, a couple – 
well, I guess about 15 years ago, we got hit with a Title IX infraction where we're at the point now where we can only buy uniforms for Pacific sport every five years. So that means mm-hmm. when we buy wow. that uniforms, gotta, that uniforms gotta, you got to keep that uniform for five years. So we try to buy a real good quality uniform for our, uh, each one of our teams. And everything, you know, uh, that they need, I say, give me a list of what you need to have. Well, and at the end of the year, I get an inventory. So I know, uh, looking at that inventory, what they have and what they may need, because a lot of times coaches will put down things that they really don't need, but they just won't have a lot of. thing that we do, we feed all our kids. If we've got any away game, our kids eat. And then we also pack lunches for them. To, uh, after the game. Now, football is the only uh, team that we don't let go home after school, whether it's a home game or away game. So we will feed the football team every week at school, and then, again, we'll pack lunches for them. But that's one question that you're always going to hear, especially around here, because uh, decades ago and still today, our football is everything in, the, in our town. And I'm sure years ago the football pretty much got everything because we have a big game where the first game of the year we put about 10,000 people in the stands and we make pretty good money. That pretty much carries all our sports throughout the year. But we require other sports to do fundraisers to help out in the little things that they want. But if they don't come up to par, we still get what they need to have a, to run their program successfully. Okay, uh, Donna, for for the listeners out there and a a young lady, a young man that might want to do what you're doing, what type of advice would you give them? Well, first of all, you have to have the passion um, and uh, obviously connectivity to human beings. Um, they got to know that you have the credentials and that they certainly uh, buy into what you're saying. Uh, it's interesting because I, particularly when I have the boys in the weight room, especially I love when the freshmen come in, they right away go to the bench and put 500 pounds on there and think it's going to happen. And it just cracks me up. You know, they don't have correct form or anything. And then, so they're looking at this lady and now here she is telling, like, what do you know? And then they see my, here's my credentials. Then they see me up on the board holding New Jersey records. Man, this. Now you can hear a pin drop because they're all sponges. So, again, you know, I'm connecting with them. I'm listening to them. I'm laughing with them. I'm teaching them. Um, So I think, you know, again, um, you know, obviously I have a college degree and I coached many years track and field and field hockey, then went over to the weight room. Um, So if you want to be in an educational area, you have to have a minimum of 50. 60 college credits to do that. But I'm also on my own. I work at a gym as a personal trainer, which I did not need. I needed just a high school diploma for that and then got into the powerlifting certification. So I took classes for that to become certified in two different federations. Uh, but I just, again, have the passion, have the desire, make the time. You're there first and you're there last. Um, and the kids look it's it's easy then. It's easy. And, and, if you know, again, they have 
the, the ambition to say, you know, I really want to do this. I'll sign him up for me or whatever it is. Or I really want to learn how to squat. I want them to learn how to low bar squat, not just high bar squat. Can you teach me that? Um, so that's what I think that you need to have. It, it really just people in general need to have that passion for what you're doing. Okay. Uh, Tanya, hopefully you can get on. Uh, what advice would you I give am. to somebody? Okay. What advice? What advice would I give for uh, what? Anybody that want to kind of kind of do the same thing that you're doing, a young uh, lady, a young man. I for both, I would just say do your research and know that what you know. And what I did, even in getting into this profession, um, I did start out as team mom of football, and but I just have a personal love for football and stats and what this looks like and, you know, getting all the particulars I could about the sport. I was even a football manager in high school. That's how much I love football. So what I ended up doing is turning my love for the game into something with helping the students. So, yes, I did start out doing that, but I also do my research because I get, just as Coach said previously, I get tested all the time and saying, oh, how cute, they bought their team mom, and then I run down exactly what I do, and they go, oh, okay, sorry. You know, so sometimes it takes the, you know, especially on the women's side of things, to be educated about what we know so um, we can do the job effectively. Just like she said, I went back, got certification, um, making sure I do my homework on the latest trends and what can help the boys athletically as well as academically because I let my boys know really that um, the biggest hurdle that they're having right now is the transfer portal. But honestly, I didn't know about it. So I started doing my research. What does this look like? What does the transfer portal look like for our up-and-coming athletes? Um, And once I got well-versed in that and just kept being a forever student when it came to the sport and the sport of coaching, that is when I perfected my craft. And that's what I would tell anybody it's not an easy road. It's hard. You're going to get people. You're going to lose students. You're going to, you know, have that student that was at the top of their game and get injured and their career is over. You just have to learn how to encourage and research and know what you know when it comes to dealing with these students' lives because they honestly depend on you and look to you for everything most times. And you don't realize that until coaches speaking before when they say thank you. I didn't – you know, haven't been out of my small town. I've never thought that I would go to um, Cornell. We had a student that just graduated from Cornell and one that just graduated from Stanford, and he was one of the examples that had to medically retire, but he still got his four-year degree from Stanford, but he got injured. So those, you know, learning that and telling your athletes and knowing your job and what you do is essential to being successful in this realm. Okay, Princess. Uh, Thank you, everyone. We appreciate it. Don Jones, Don Lilly, um, Donna Aramondo, and also Tanya Tolson. I appreciate you all taking time um, with us. And this was really just insightful for me. I appreciate your time, okay? Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yes, Thank you. Yes, Thank you. awesome. Thank you to my co-host, Tim Moore and Duck Raleigh. We will see you all a little bit on Thursday at 7 p.m. Tomorrow's Wednesday, and that's Sports Talk with KWAL. Tim and Duck, have a great evening. All right, thank you, guys. Awesome, awesome. Never had it so good.